Hello and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to live aboard cruising. This coming week, we celebrate International Women's Day. And I just love learning from all the women who sail about their experiences, what draws them to want to live on the ocean, learning to sail, dealing with expectations, and also dealing with small living spaces. And all the advice they give other women considering changing their lifestyle to live aboard a sailboat. In this week's podcast, I have the great pleasure to interview Alex Blue from SV Delos. As it turns out at the moment, we live on opposite sides of Lake Tahoe, and she was so gracious about sharing her experiences with us and what's next for she and Brady as they transition to life on land. If you listen closely, you can hear them making dinner in the background. I hope you enjoy. It's awesome to meet you, and I'm excited to talk to you about everything. First of all, let's start with something important like um, do you think the snow storm will stick and I, go out tomorrow? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, they're calling for a foot. So we're planning on leaving at like, yeah, 630 tomorrow, trying to make it to Squaw. It's been so busy up here on the weekends with everyone coming in. So yeah. Hey, I'm yeah, Holly. Nice, nice to meet, to meet you. you. <laughs> yeah, we're up next to Heavenly. So we're four minutes from the um, stagecoach lift. Awesome. And we're learning how to um, snowboard, which is really just, you know, premeditated falling. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've snowboarded for, so yeah, since I was in high school, but actually have been learning to ski this year just to switch oh. things up. So that's been fun to try something new. Yeah, cool. cool. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you. And um, we're, I, what I want to do is a special. Uh, episode around International Women's Day. So I thought you'd be a great guest and thanks so much for agreeing to be here. Yeah, thanks for thinking of me. So many of us got to see your story sort of unfold on YouTube. And um, I think what our listeners are really interested in is the initial transition, you know, sort of what triggered you to want to go sailing in the first place and then what that first year was like and what your experience was. So maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, what compelled you to reach out to Delos and and want to join them. Obviously you were watching them, but what was the trigger for you? So I actually wasn't watching them. I didn't okay. even know that Delos existed um, until a friend of mine sent me one of their episodes um, and I had gotten kind of intro to sailing the summer before Um, I had been living in Columbia for the summer and doing some film projects down there. And that led me to living on a 52 foot catamaran for the summer with like 15 to 20 people at a time. That's a lot of people. It was (laughs) <laughs> it was wild. So that was what I thought it what meant to live on a boat was, you know, you don't shower for months and uh, there's people everywhere and you don't really sleep. Definitely don't have your own cabin. I slept outside every night, um, but I loved it. I loved waking up and just being able to jump straight into the ocean. So I was pretty much hooked straight from that point and uh, yeah, had it in mind that I wanted to get on another sailboat in some way. 
via my camera because that's kind of how I navigated my way through life and um, had reached out to a couple boats, like dive boats in Thailand and different things like that. And nothing came through. And then one of my sailing friends that I had met in Colombia sent me an episode of Delos and said, Hey, I think that you're going to like what these guys are doing. So yeah, I watched the first couple minutes of, I don't even remember what episode it was. I was like, Oh, they're sailing, they're filming it and they're scuba diving. So those are all my favorite things and what I want to do more of. So I just sent them a random email. Um, and yeah, Brian happened to read it and I was very surprised to even get a response. And then within two weeks of that, to that initial email, I was in South Africa prepping to cross the Atlantic with them. That's crazy. So you just dropped everything. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Cause I had been, uh, bouncing around for several years and, uh, didn't, didn't have a home base or anything like that. And I finally found a room to rent in Tahoe and I was like, maybe I'll stay put for this summer instead of travel. And I, you know, kind of got some things sorted with that. And at the moment that I tried to, you know, settle down a little bit, the universe was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, that you definitely didn't settle down. Um, so yeah. So I rewatched today the episode where they called you on uh, FaceTime and you just look so giddy. So after that call, were you like, oh shit, like what have I done? Yeah. Yeah. After that call, I remember going in the house that I had just moved into and I just sat on the couch for probably two or three hours. Like, oh my God, is this real? Should I really do this? What does it mean if I go? How do I go? Da, 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 da. And yeah, at the end of it, I was like, there's no, there's no choice but to go. You know, yeah. I was considering maybe, maybe I'll meet them in Brazil or something like that, but it just, yeah, it had to be. So pretty much called my mom <laughs> and told yeah, her. Yeah. What did she say? She, well, she'd been conditioned a bit cause I, you know, right. traveled alone in Nicaragua and Colombia and all these different places. So, um, she'd kind of been getting gradually more and more used to it and more comfortable and, and trusting me over the years, I guess, to be able to take care of myself. But, uh, I remember she said, uh, I, I gotta go. I'll call you right back. And she hung up the phone and I didn't know it at the time, but she actually went online and Googled Delos and then, uh, once <laughs> to make she sure saw, they were legit or something. Yeah. 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 yeah and then cool. once she saw that, I think that, I think the New York times article had just come out about them and there was, I don't know, a few different markers that in her world showed that they were legitimate. So then she called me back and she's like, are you sure? <laughs> um, but yeah, my parents are, my parents have been entrepreneurs and they've always supported me kind of, um, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Not going the yeah. traditional way, which has been good. And then what about your friends? I mean, cause we got a lot of like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Why are you doing like, they can't even relate, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think the same with my friends, like I had kind of already been doing a similar thing, like traveling. I was sort of all over the place. Um, you know, filming and I would have, you know, when I would go on trips, my friends would come meet me. And so I don't think any of them were necessarily surprised that I was flying to Africa to sail across the ocean. They were just like, well, sounds like something you would do, even though Good we luck no with that. Yeah. That <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so had you done any blue water sailing on the boat you were on before? We had been sailing. Um, I spent the summer sailing back and forth between Cartagena, Colombia. Um, we would pick up 15 backpackers, 15 to 20 backpackers, sail them to San Blas Islands in Panama. 
mm-hmm. spend about four or five days kind of island hopping around there and then drop them off, pick up 15 or 20 more, sell them back to Colombia from Panama and just kind of doing that over and over again. Um, but I wouldn't say that I learned a ton of sailing. I was actually shooting kind of a reality pilot show of sorts. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was considered crew on the boat, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't have considered myself a sailor by the end of it. We did a lot of motoring and a lot of partying. (laughs) (laughs) And some of those passages that you were facing, right. Were pretty intense. I mean, from South Africa to St. Helena and then Ascension Island and then across right to Brazil. So, um, those aren't exactly beginner passages. So was the crew pretty easy on you or, you know, how did you feel like you were ramping kind of getting going on, on those kinds of passages? Those are pretty intense. I mean, this, this, the Southern Atlantic is pretty forgiving. I would say you're really in the trade winds for most of the time. And, I mean, Delos is such a trustworthy and sturdy boat. And yeah. obviously the crew, you know, that had been living on her for the last decade knew her very well. So, and at that time, I think I was just, I was almost like too naive. There was so, so many new things going on that yeah. I, I maybe didn't, I don't even know if I realized what we were getting ready to do. <laughs> yeah. At the time we just, yeah. you know, me, Lisa and Liz just jumped on the boat. We're like, okay, go. And then, um, I'd say I, I was filming so much too, that I was filming more than I was, um, you know, learning to sail necessarily. And then, yeah, just over the years, it all gradually sank in. And then when we sailed across the North Atlantic, that was a lot gnarlier, um, Mm -hmm. and much more responsibility on Brady and I's shoulders for sure. Yeah. So when did you start to feel really confident as a crew member? That's, that's something that I think a lot of women, you know, either we second guess ourselves or we feel like we have to know everything or, you know, we just sort of ease into it. It just depends on different people's experience. Yeah. I think it depends on so many factors. I think the first factor is the people that are around you. Mm -hmm. Are they teaching you? Are they just doing it all themselves? Um, Are you in a space where you can ask questions, which should always be the space. And if it's not, uh, you know, making it clear that if you want to be considered a crew member, you have to learn in some way. Um, but you know, I remember actually when we were done with the crossing to Brazil, we, uh, went on some sailing dinghies and I kind of spent the day putting around in the sailing dinghy. And I learned so much, obviously we learned, I learned a lot on the crossing, like navigation and how to use radar and like the list of things is very long, but as far as feel and control goes of a sailboat. Mm-hmm. I think I learned more sailing that little dinghy around that day than I did across the Atlantic because I was controlling everything, you know, on a bigger boat, one person's at the helm, one right. person is on each jib sheet, you know, one person's on the main sheet. And so to feel the way that they all go together takes more time. And, and so I think just even learning to sail on, you know, a little dinghy sailboat, like a laser or something is kind of overlooked in how valuable that is because when you do one thing, you feel how it affects everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, but it probably wasn't until, yeah, maybe the Caribbean when we, when we had, when we finally had a change of crew and new people were coming on the boat. And then I realized that I was explaining everything to them. And I was like, Oh, I do know this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
That's so funny. Yeah, my husband um, used to race and he took a 24-foot boat, a more 24, from California to Hawaii. And I was like, and and when we first met and he was telling me that story, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And then the more I learned about sailing, the more I was like, are you crazy? Like, that's a tiny boat. But he had it when we met and we'd go sail in San Francisco Bay because we lived over there. And that's a good place to learn because there's a lot of different conditions. And it's true. You know, you just kind of move it one way and it takes off this way and you can kind of get a feel. So this first season we spent on on our new bigger boat and it's like I'm completely disoriented. It's a completely different feeling. Like I understand how it works, but it just the boat you're on totally, you know, dictates what experience you're having for sure. Yeah, and each boat takes a while to learn. I mean, each boat is set up so differently and can be forgiving in certain ways and not so forgiving in another and it just, it takes putting, yeah, miles under the keel to figure yeah. out what those things are for sure. For sure. Um, so I struggle with anxiety a lot and and it, I, it's, it's more just worry, you know, and being in different experiences and not having done anything before. Um, you know, so one of the things I did is I, I went on um, 59 North to, from Key West to Bermuda, which was awesome. great. Because yeah. my husband didn't go. I was like, you you can't go because every time we sail together, I'm like, yeah, I'm the skipper today. And then I end up making like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know? <laughs> so you got to, you know, it's not, it's just a habit you kind of go into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I want to know what this is going to be like. I'd never done a passage before, you know, and it was eight or nine days. And, um, you know, there was kind of less anxiety because I knew they they had, they do this for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, still the anxiety creeps in, even when you're sitting in an anchorage and it's windy, you know? So I don't know if you dealt with any of that or, or how you kind of dealt with that. You seem kind of Zen anyway, but you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience with anxiety or fear. Yeah. Let's see. So I think I think that my experience with it, because a lot of people ask me, well, isn't it scary sailing across an ocean? Yeah. And, and and like I said, it depends. There's a lot of factors. And I think the number one factor is like, do you trust your boat? Yeah. Um, and that could be as simple as, um, yeah, just knowing your, your boat's limits also. Um, and then, yeah, the crew that you're with. So I think I kind of had a, I got to jump over a lot of anxiety because I was on such a good boat with people who really knew what they were doing. Yeah. And I think over time that rubbed off on me, but I will say that, like you said, you know, you say you're going to be skipper for the day and all of a sudden you're making, you know, sandwiches. <laughs> it's like, I did that same thing a lot where my super comfortable place is behind the camera. Mm-hmm. So instead of pushing myself to learn or to ask questions or to do something hand off, hands on, I would hide behind my camera a little bit because I'm super comfortable there. And if the camera's in my hand, well, I yeah. can't really do a whole lot. That's else, your happy right? place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's also a place that I can hide behind too. Yeah. So I didn't even really realize that I was doing it at first, but yeah, at some point I just had to push, put my camera down and like push myself to ask questions, to not worry about, you know, sounding stupid. And, um, yeah, the, the, there's no way around the truth that living on a boat is very difficult. And I know that people have a romanticized version, like, you know, <laughs> of what it would be like, like, Oh, I'm going to just drink and, my lemonade and read Exactly. Yeah. And it just, it really, I mean, you have some moments like that, but it, yeah. in my opinion, like it really couldn't be 
further from the truth. I always say living on a boat is extreme highs and extreme lows. Um, so I definitely did have anxiety on the boat. Um, I mean, one thing for me too, is being around people like that. Um, I'm actually a bit of an introvert. So having to be around people all the time and people who come from totally different cultures, totally different, you know, family backgrounds, raised in different ways, different values, different things offend different people. Um, and really having to push myself that like, if someone upsets me, like that's on me. Like right. I have, I have, I'm the only person responsible for my emotions and mm-hmm. to not blame anyone else for anything. So I think when it comes to anxiety, just, yeah, realizing, realizing that, that you are in control of your emotions and, um, yeah, meditating, taking time for yourself and, um, doing the research anytime that you can do research ahead of time for mm-hmm. a passage or a place you're going or anything like that, you're definitely going to be more prepared when the time comes. Yeah. And one of the things we're sort of still getting used to is with just two of us on the boat is learning how to communicate about what we need to do. Mm. And, you know, you're shouting over the wind and you're, you know, there's a lot of weird, the boat right now is in the Mediterranean. So we spent the first season in kind of a hard place, I think, to learn how to maneuver a new boat um, when you're doing med moorings and things like that. Um, so when you and Brady kind of took the boat over and were doing the season, you know, with yourselves and then other guests, did you have to sort of learn how to communicate together or work together as a team or were you sort of in the groove already? I'd say by that point we were, we were in the groove. Um, but I will say that, yeah, starting, I mean, we started our relationship like living on the sailboat together, yeah. which is, I think, a very unique and difficult way to start a relationship. But at the same time, if we can make it through that, like for I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always <laughs> joke if we, our first date was like crossing the ocean together, but it actually really was, you know, we were like living in a cabin together and still not saying like, oh, this is my boyfriend or this is my girlfriend. So it was just, it was very, very uh, unique situation. Um, but I mean, I just got lucky. Like me and Brady work really well together. We balance each other out. We can communicate well. Um, but yeah, in, in every new situation you have to learn. So something we've actually been doing a lot lately is he'll say something, I'll hear it. And then I will actually repeat back to him what I heard, what I interpreted or perceived. And it's not what he was trying to say. (laughs) So just, yeah, going above and beyond to like over communicate, um, And yeah, something else we do is we say we have like our departments kind of. So like, you know, things that I am good at and that I like doing, or maybe that I don't hate doing, that's all my department. And then the thing, same for him. So it's super easy. Like something comes up and we're like, oh, that's your department. And it just, it, it, it's a way to balance out the workload because yeah, the workload of the boat can be kind of overwhelming at times. Yeah. A lot of women talk about, um, that first year sort of figuring out what their role is, Hmm. you know, especially, um, you know, women who I would consider to be very strong and, you know, independent and that sort of thing. And and then they're on the boat and they're like, Oh wait, so I guess I'm just doing all of, I'm, I'm like scrubbing the bilges and I'm cleaning the shower and I'm doing all these things like, let's split this up. But then on the other hand, they don't really want to do the boat mechanics and, you know, the other things. So how did you guys kind of settle on roles and, and how was that for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think something that actually is 
uniquely cool about Delos is that all the cooking and most of the cleaning and stuff is, is split evenly. Mm-hmm. So we would have cooking days. Um, so, you know, if there's six people on the boat once every six day, it's your cooking day, you cook lunch and dinner. And when you cook, you clean, um, everything, uh, and, and you make sure that the galley's spotless after and everything's put away. And then the other five days, you literally have someone walk up and hand you a bowl you get to enjoy it. They take it. And then that's it. Um, so I think that schedule worked really well. Um, and then cleaning, we, we basically, they actually had a, a binder of <laughs> cleaning duties and we would just open it up and each person would pick a page and, you know, we would get after it, but yeah, at the same time, everyone does have their different skill sets of things that they're, they're good at, um, or that they enjoy doing, or maybe that they don't hate doing as much as someone else hates doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on Delos, it was, I, I, I always felt like, even though maybe I didn't know as much about sailing in the beginning or even towards the end, like I'm, I'm far from being a mechanic. Um, I could always contribute with like my camera, whether yeah. it was video or photo or editing or anything like that. So that helped give me a sense of purpose, but I would just advocate for people to, you know, especially for women, like, to not just end up doing the cooking and cleaning and to make, you know, their case and their argument to be, if you want me to be a competent crew member, you have to teach me. Yeah. You have to take the time. Like there has to be times where you let me go do it and you go clean. And even if I mess up, that's still a learning experience. Yeah, for it's sure. Not like, Oh, you messed this up. You don't get to do it again. That's a part of learning. Like mistakes yeah. are good, you know? Um, yeah, my my we're on a catamaran, so my husband's like, "You get one engine, I get one engine. <laughs> we'll see which one breaks first. So we'll we'll see if that works." <laughs> um, was there anything that you wish you would have known ahead of time? You talked about it being a lot of work. People ask me, sort of, you know, and I say it's a lot of work, and I said, I say, I don't mean like a lot of work, like a lot of work. So take the amount of work you think it is, and then times it by a hundred, and that's how much work it is. <laughs> but you know, is there anything else you wish you would have known before you sort of committed or? That's a really good question. I've never thought about that before. I think maybe I would have told myself to not work quite as hard, like just as an entrepreneur and have always been since I was a little kid, I, I pushed myself way too hard mm-hmm. and it's great. Like there's all these, you know, there's great things that come out of that, but I really have to force myself to like stop and smell the roses sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I probably could have done that a little bit more and taken a little bit of pressure off myself. Um, But other than that, I would say like how naive I was going into it was probably an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because um, I feel like, you know, in my career or whatever that I have, quit, right? It, it It's sort of how much you, there's just a, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to get a lot done. And, and especially I think in California, you can kind of get in this kind of hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And, um, I sort of, I was working a little bit in our first season and then I quit sort of, and, uh, I was still kind of having that same mentality on the boat. So I was like, okay, we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And my husband's French, right? So he's like, we're going to chill and like enjoy, you know? And so we had to kind of find our space, our play, our medium, medium ground where he didn't feel like I was nagging him all the time. And then I didn't feel like we weren't doing anything, you know? So it's sort of those one year, those first year sort of transitions that you, that you kind of go through. 
Um, can you think of anything else like in that transition period that you may have struggled with or advice for that first year that you, you'd like to give people? Yeah. I think the two pieces of advice would be one, one thing that I, I, I think I mentioned a few minutes ago, but just when it comes to uh, living with people in a small space, just like you can't take anything personally. You have to communicate. You can't let things fester. Yeah. Uh, and you have really have to take responsibility for not only your own emotions, but your own actions and not blame other people for things. Yeah. Um, I catch still every day. I catch myself blaming people for things just as like a go-to emotion. Yeah. And I really have to catch myself and not, and tell myself that's not okay. Um, you know, little things like leaving a dish in the sink or anything like that, you mm-hmm. know, cause that yeah. stuff really builds up on a boat when you're in a small space. For sure. Um, and then the second piece of advice I would give to someone that's going to be embarking on a sailing adventure is to just throw your expectations overboard. Like that idea. Of, I've literally heard that from every single person I've talked to. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you think it's going to be, it's not going to be for better or worse. Whatever yeah. you have in your mind is not going to happen. And if you just have, have, you know, low or no expectations, like I'm going to go out, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to fail. I'm going to have some successes, like keep it, keep it low and keep it broad because anything above that is a win. Um, and if you set your expectations too high, then I think that, you know, you'll have some pretty amazing moments and victories pass you by. Yeah. That's a great point. Great advice. So we talk a lot about transitioning into the sailing lifestyle. Um, you guys have recently transitioned out. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, one big question is like when you first got back and, and settled in maybe for the first week, what was the one thing that you were like, Oh my God, yes. I miss this so much. Hmm. I would say for me, it would be my friends. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely got really, really close with everyone that I was ever living on the boat with and, and grew a very unique bond with them that I've never experienced with anyone else. But at the same time, just having those people around me that knew me for me, um, mm-hmm. like before Delos and everything right. and really grounded me and like reminded me who I was. I really missed that a lot. So just coming, coming to California and being able to hang out with all my friends was felt weird. Like it felt weird to be in a group of people that I knew, like I actually knew, you yeah. know, I remember having that moment where I was like, Whoa, I'm actually friends with the five people standing <laughs> here. I've known them for years. It's been so long since I've experienced that. So that's yeah, so would, interesting. So, um, I'm curious, just what, what has it been like, you know, since, since kind of coming back in and, you know, figuring out where you're going to live and how your life's going to be. And, um, you know, I know, I think you guys are starting a sailing school on Lake Tahoe, which is super awesome. Yeah. Really exciting. And I want to hear about that, but you know, how did you kind of go through the transition back? Was it, did you get depressed? You know, did were you elated? Did you miss it? You know, are you kind of happy to move on? Maybe you can kind of explain your roller coaster of emotions because I can imagine it would be a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I think that for us, uh, we had both been. I mean, Tra- Brady had been living on Delos for ten years, yeah, and I had been bouncing around without any kind of real home or anything like that, traveling and for you know probably seven years. So I think that we wouldn't take one moment of that back. Like it was 
every part of it was perfect and beautiful and is exactly how it should have been. But I also think that we're coming to a chapter in our life where we wanted some other things. Um, mm-hmm. like the, at least for me that, you know, the alluring idea of just going with the wind and having no connections and having, you know, no ties was great. And then I hit a point where I was like, I, I want a community. Like mm-hmm. I want to be around my friends. I don't always want to have to say goodbye to people right after I meet them. Um, and you know, I want to have a wall that I can paint and like put a picture on and like yeah. make my own a home, you know, with a little bit more space and stuff like that. And, um, a dog, I mean, I've always had dogs as a kid and it's been, I've held out getting a dog for the last like 10 years, but I love having a dog and riding horses. And so all of the things that like really fill my heart up, um, that you can't have on the boat. I just like super fulfilled me when we got here. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there's parts that I miss, like I scuba diving is definitely the part that I miss the most. Um, you know, waking up and seeing the sunrise, like there's definitely things that, that I miss here and there, but it doesn't bring me down or depress me because I know that those things are coming again in the future. And, uh, to me, the most important part of life is balance and the, the scales have kind of been tipped so, so far yeah. one way for so long that it felt nice to kind of like slowly bring them back again. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can scuba dive in like Tahoe. You'd freeze your butt off, but. <laughs> we, we can and we will. And we have a trip planned. We have some diving trips planned, but uh, yeah, not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, is, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about, um, you know, advice you have and on either getting started or thinking about it? Yeah, I would say, I think sailing can be really intimidating because there's like a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally a lot of moving parts. Um, and so, and, and you don't have to, I think some people have this idea like, oh, I have to sell everything and buy a huge boat and sail across an ocean. And that's not, doesn't have to be your starting point. You know, right. you can go buy a little, you know, sailing dinghy for a few hundred bucks and sail it around your local lake or your local reservoir or yeah. anything like that. Um, and just get going and just kind of familiar, familiarize yourself and get comfortable and have that as a starting point. Um, and yeah, we did start a sailing school. So if you want to learn how to sail, check out cruisers Academy and we can help you get started on that path. That's really cool. So how many boats do you have? So right now we have, um, three about to be four in Tahoe. We have a Catalina 22. We're going to get another 22. And then we also have a Catalina 27 and then we have a Catalina 14. Um, so those are kind of, that's like our Tahoe fleet, so to speak. Um, and then we are also looking at buying a bigger sailboat in the Bay area this summer. So we have our eyes on a very specific special boat. And you're not going to share what that is. (laughs) It's hard because we we're we're like 99.9. I know you don't know until it's done. Yeah. But, but yeah, we just, it's hard to like backpedal, but, um, there is a specific boat that is very, very cool. And, uh, yeah, we're excited to get her, get her a part of the cruisers Academy and definitely get back on the ocean when, you know, the world opens up again. It's yeah. back to normal. I know our plant. So our boat came out in February and we were going to go over and start our season in May. 
And then everything closed up and we had to kind of wait. And so we ended up going, starting kind of later. But um, our plan B was to basically rent a boat here on Lake Tahoe and just sail and practice on a, on a small boat, you know, again. And, and so we were really excited about that. So even just personally, when I heard you were doing that, I'm like, you know what, Tahoe needs more sailboats. There's a lot of motorboats. So it'll be great to see you guys out there and, you know, we'd love to join you sometime. So hopefully, yeah, we'll get a chance to meet up. Yeah. It's, it's actually really good sailing out there. It's pretty consistent. It's kind of like an ocean, right? Like too, there's big waves. It can get get really gnarly out there for sure, which is also great for learning. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it blew our mind. The sailing school thing kind of just, I mean, I don't want to say it fell into our lap because we had the idea of the cruiser Academy on our mind beforehand, but we were thinking on the ocean and then just being in Tahoe, we ended up staying longer because of COVID and everything just literally the universe was like, do this, do this, do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's no, there's no sailing school in North Lake Tahoe, which it's crazy. is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So it's we're, like, okay, we're going to be the ones. Awesome. Well, good luck on that. And I'm really excited to be able to meet you guys in person at some point since we're neighbors, but, um, Definitely. you know, once COVID kind of chills out and then you're always welcome to come and hang out on, on our boat, you know, when things open back up and you can teach us how to use our scuba equipment. So Perfect. I love that plan. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another Covert Castaway. Fair winds for now. (laughs) 